2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. In life, uh, nothing is easy. I'm sure we can all agree with that. There are times that we go through hardship and things that are very unfair. And let's be honest, with the rat race going around, uh, with the rat race going on and prices soaring up high the past two years with the spread going about and everybody just struggling, the huge migration. It's very difficult to serve God and to keep up with things, to keep up with job studies, uh, planning your future, life in general. But I hope that this sermon will help you. Before I came to this point as a pastor and I started in the uh, beginnings of my ministry, there was a member who was very uh, close to my heart and helped me a lot. If it wasn't for this uh, brother's prayers, he's one of these people, if it weren't for him, where I would not continue the ministry. Uh, we call him Big Chuck. Uh, Chuck would pray hours every day. He would pray almost an hour every day just for the pastor, for me, which uh, greatly encouraged me. He has those sayings, and if you know Big Chuck, he would always have some of those sayings here and there. One of his sayings is, keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. In other words, a lot of times, we're the ones who complicate things. Because we feel like that th these are complicated scenarios that we have to discuss or we can try to describe or what we're feeling and going through. But when you deliver these words and then Big Chuck will just say, uh, keep it simple, you know, keep it simple. He would say that to himself, keep it simple, stupid. And that's what I want to talk about today. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 reads, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve, through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. God's intention is to make things simple for you and to not go through complexity in life. However, we are the ones who go through complex scenarios and we make things even more complicated. That's why there's a rising spree of suicide. Because they think that life is more complex than they can think. When you would ask a person to tell them uh, your problems, a lot of times the person will feel like, well, it's more complicated than you think. It's hard to say. But to be quite honest, no, you're the one that complicates it. Yeah. If I were to look at myself with all my issues, I could go endlessly with my problems. But one thing I've learned is that I am the one. I am the one that makes the difference, that makes the choice to make things complicated or to turn it around and make it simpler. So a lot of times, especially with the rat race going around and I'm trying to manage the church, trying to manage my life, especially in this liberal area, and then you got the online stuff to take care of, I always tell myself when I have a million things going around, keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. I found that saying to be a great joy and an encouragement in my life. I hope that you will see it that way. The title of my message is, Keep It Simple, Stupid. Let's pray. Now, Father, will you fill within me your Holy Spirit and wisdom and the cleansing of your blood and everything that I need to deliver this message right 
so that we can live our lives in simplicity and in joy and to give you the greater glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now this will be incredibly helpful for you, especially since you live in this area and for anyone who's going through hard times. My first point is simple things. Simple things. And this is the verse that we're looking at right here. Is that God is the one that granted us simplicity. Notice who's the one who corrupts us from simplicity. The Bible says, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguile thee through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity. It's the devil's job that tricks you and deceives you from living simply. I mean, what is God's requirement for you to live life to the fullest? All it is is simple faith, faith and resting in His promises. That's it. All it is is simple faith and resting in His promises. If God promised you Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good, even the bad that you did, and it's your fault, then you just trust in that promise and rest in it and believe. If you believe that God created the whole universe and it's not a problem for Him, and it's not a problem for Him to take care of your life, your problems that you're going through in your household, in your mental condition, in your studies, and in the situation that you're in, then it's just faith in His power. It's just believing that He truly is. I am that I am. And He's got the power to turn things around and to take care of the problems for you. It's just a matter of resting in His promise. My God shall supply all your needs. Even when money runs out, my God shall supply all your needs. Even when things look bad, my God shall supply all your needs. When it looks like the end of the world, my God shall supply all your needs. When all your needs practically look like they run out, my God shall supply all all your needs. It's just a matter of resting in His promise. If God says that no matter how bad life is, no matter how bad it is, He will be there with you all the way. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. And that's how it is. You just live life. That's it. Just simple faith. Just believe. Rest in His promises. But the devil tricks you from living a life of simplicity. And he makes it complicated. What is it? You just find faults. You find faults with his promise. You question it because you've been brainwashed or you learned something around from this world to make you question it. Or you, you'll nitpick some things in life where, well, you know, the brethren are not that good like I thought. The pastor is not that good that I thought. The church is not that good that I thought. God's blessing on me is not that good as I thought. It's always finding faults. So because of that, you lose His promises. Because you find faults with it. Look, if you deliberately drop His promise, if you deliberately reject His promise by critiquing them, then that's the reason why you can't relax in His promises. You can't rest in them. Uh, always finding issues in life. And to be quite honest, what we deem to be major issues, they're actually very minor. They're actually very minor. And because we make these minor issues into major issues, it turns out to be a stressful life. Uh, I know what I'm talking about concerning about the ministry that I have to juggle in this area. And when I handle all this, 
It's not just my problem. It's also other people's problems I have to take care of. And then when you add the onliners, ooh, that's fun. <laughs> that's fun. That's a lot of fun. So then when I'm handling their problems, my problems, the problems of my family on top of that, and trying to balance it all together, it's easy to make these things very major. It's very easy to make it an Elijah mentality. But then when I realize that those things are not major issues and I, I say, look, they're just minor things. It's just one problem that happened today. You don't have to make this one problem ruin your entire day. Then I realized when I look back years uh, behind me, those were actually minor and I feel ashamed about what I whined about. I don't know if you ever did that before. You ever whined about something you thought was a major issue? But then when you matured throughout the years, and then you look back about what you whined and complained, you realize, man, you are so immature. <laughs> a lot of times, the reason why life is so hard for you is because uh, you did not properly care for yourself and plan things. It's not God's fault. It's basically your fault. Oh, man, the... I couldn't come to church today because I got a flat tire. Well, like Dr. Kogel said, it was your fault because you didn't check up the tire for a long time. You're too lazy to take care of it. Life is supposed to be more simple than you think. It's not complex. It's not the devil attacks you all the time you get to church. No, it's just because you did not take proper care of yourself. You did not plan things ahead. It's your fault. Life should be more simple than you think, but you made it complex. See that? You complicated it. You should have taken proper care. A lot of times, uh, we take good things for granted. God has given you a lot. And if you lived in a third world country and then lived in America and you lived in both places in equal amounts of time for equal amounts of time of your life, what's going to happen is you're going to realize what you have in here, in this place, you're incredibly blessed. And uh, it's you'll find less things to complain. You'll find more things to be thankful for. As a matter of fact, you'll find more things to easily hang on to and enjoy. But it's because you take good things in life for granted, that's why those things have collected dust on a shelf. They're piling up in your storage room. Lots of Americans have storage room for a reason. It means we have too much stuff. It means we have too much stuff. And we feel like we don't need them. When there are many other people in need. We take good things for granted. What God has blessed you with, He has given you a blessing to make you happy. But you're never going to rest in His blessing. You're never going to enjoy His blessing if you take it for granted. See, it's the simple things... That became complicated because you've taken good things for granted. What's all, what's all of this? A trick from Satan. He deceived you. He deceived you from living life simply by you, yourself, making it complicated. You just find faults, turn minor issues into major issues. You don't take proper care of yourself. You don't plan things properly. And you just take the good things that you got for granted. Of course, life will be hard for you. Imagine you whined every day. Every minor problem became a major problem. You uh, did not plan anything, didn't plan any proper care for yourself. And every good thing that was given to you, take it for granted. How can you live life simply after that? It's impossible. Guarantee 100% your life is very complicated and tough and hard for you. 
My second point is minute things. Minute things. Look at Romans chapter 16. And we'll look at verse 19. Romans chapter 16. And we'll read verse 19. The reason why things can become very tough and not simple for you is because you don't keep it simple. That's it. Hey, stupid, keep it simple. Hey, stupid, keep things simple, can you? But let's assume that it is legitimately hard. And if you live your life as a Christian, there are some things, not everything, okay? It's more simple than you think, okay? However, it, there are some things, if we're going to be totally honest, that are extremely difficult and evil, just plainly evil and tough. And then we go like, man, I don't know how I, how I can endure this. I don't know how I can go through this. But look at Romans 16, 19, what God describes evil as. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good, but what? And simple concerning evil. Now notice what God thinks about the evil things. He thinks about the evil things as it's just simple. It's just minute. Simple not only means just taking things easily, but simple also means like it's totally yeah. minute. Yeah. Like totally dull. It's totally unnecessary. Yeah. It's like useless, minute. It's so small, it's petty. That's the idea. Yeah. What if we were to take the evil situations you go through in life? I know your health problem is bad and the pain is great. And I know that the family issue is so hard that there just seems to be no victory in life. Especially you feel like that with your temptation and addiction that you're going through. There's just no winning victory. Uh, persecution's rising. Every, everyone's against you. Everything's against you. Uh, you're unable to support yourself and you're at the end of your rope. And it's just so evil. But what if we made those things minute? What if we simplified those things? Then how would your stress management go? You know, God, He treats evil as something minute. You know what God says? You should have your knowledge grow unto that which is good. Isn't that what verse 19 said? Grow your knowledge on that which is good, but dim your knowledge on something that's evil. You know, uh, one thing I've learned is when my mind always focuses on that pain that I go through, on that evil that I go through, that evil just gets bigger and bigger. And then the legitimate evil can even become dramatized. Sure, it's a legitimate evil, but I can make that legitimacy even dramatized. To a point where I feel like this is nothing, I cannot handle, I cannot overcome this, God can't give me the victory, no Lord, I cannot trust, it, trust in you with that problem. That's what happens when your knowledge grows so much more in evil. When you know so much of evil. I mean, my advice, stay away from evil. It's no use just sitting down, whining, complaining, thinking about the problem all day. I mean, why not have... Your knowing, your knowledge grow more on that which is good. I mean, think about the blessings you got, you know. Think about your brother or sister in Christ, your children, uh, your fellow loved one. 
that blessed old book in your hand, even the physical things that God has blessed you with. I mean, why not just know more about that good? There's so many beautiful things still in this world in spite of so much evil all around us. And why not just spend all your time and your money and energy on that which is good rather than that which is evil? When you spend all that time, energy, and money on that which is evil, no wonder your life is so complex. No wonder your life is so tough. Keep clinging on to evil. <laughs> you got a stressed out life. But just reject the evil, no matter how much the evil tries to cling on to you. Brush it off, push it away, and just hold on to that which is good. Amen. Cling on to that which is good, like it, your life very much depended on it. And put all that stress management, that ease, and that simplicity in life on those things. Make evil simple and minute to you. And it can eventually become that way. You know, uh, when I think about a lot of ministerial problems, I'm using a lot of myself here. That way, uh, it can, you can be able to better understand. I realize sometimes examples work better. And it'll be better if I use my problems. Why? Because you don't want me to tell you about your problems. And I'm not going to bring up my wife's problems. So, <laughs> I'll get... It's better that I use my own. Okay? That's why I use a lot of my own. <laughs> yes, wise lady right there. Don't bring up the wife's problems a lot. I'll get in trouble. So, she's not here either. But she will find out. Because one of you are going to tattle to her. So, I am going to talk about my problems. Okay? <laughs> so, so, if the, the reason why I say all this is I don't want you to think I'm being redundant about myself or think that, oh, he's so arrogant talking about his problems. No, it's because you don't want me to talk about your problems and I can't use my wife's. I got my own, so. <laughs> now that I explain myself, let me tell you my problem, okay? So, so in the ministry life, it's hard to juggle things and a lot of, uh, I mean, my curse is that phone right there. That's my, that is my nightmare, all right? I've developed a habit where I just switch, put it upside down. You might say, why? Because while I'm focusing on my work, while I'm focusing on my relationship, while I'm trying to do the other things I'm supposed to prioritize, all of a sudden I see a screen flash, and then the t impulse of that flesh is to pick it up and then get the problem over it. No, 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 no. I've learned to just put it up, upside down, and then uh, when, uh, when I, in that set slot and time, okay, pick up the phone, then I mentally prepare myself, and I go, okay, here we go, and then I go like this, and then resolve the problem after that. But by doing that, that has been uh, easier for me, because every time that thing flashed in front of my eyes, oh my goodness, I felt like that uh, I had to take care of things, and then my wife said, why do you love that phone more than me? <laughs> Especially at the dinner table, no, okay, no, all right then. So then I realized, okay, uh, I was like, man, it's just so hard juggling the ministry and relationship. But then I realized, no, just make it simple. Like that, all right? And then when you're done with dinner, turn it around and then take care of it. And then it became simpler for me. 
management has improved drastically even more so as I gotten more used to that. But what's my point? My point is no matter how much evil that I had to take care of, all I had to do was just keep make it minute. Yeah. But it's such a big problem. Don't you think God's in control? Right. And He's taking care of the problems? One thing I've learned is, even when something looks like the end of the world, the world is still here when you... Yeah. The world's still here after that. So, yes, it's a legitimate problem, but and it's a legitimate evil, but I've learned, leave it to the Lord. Yes. Just really trust God. Treat it as minute to you. Simplify the evil to you, and you can... Live another day. Yes. You can live another day. Look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25. My third point is few things. Few things. When we serve the Lord and we live our life for Jesus Christ, everyone feels like, man, it is very difficult to stay away from sin and the world and to fight the devil and then to do these tasks for Him. I know that it can be a drag. I know it takes effort to wake yourself and come to church when the majority of people here aren't going to church, but just sleeping it off. Why? Because they're preparing for dreadful Monday. So I understand that mentality. And sometimes we feel like the task that we have as a Christian takes effort, and it's not as easy. But you'll realize that these are actually fewer than you think. It's not as many or as big as you think. Look at Matthew chapter 25 and notice what these servants did who were tasked, given a mission, a job to serve the Lord. Verse 15, And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey. Alright, what that verse is representing right here is God is the master and he goes by your ability and assigns you a task and a job to work for him. There's one servant who had about five, the other one two, and then the other, the third servant had one. Okay, so let's see the first servant who had five talents that he had. How can he use those talents, those abilities for him? Verse 16, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. Do you see that? And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. The, these servants, when they had their talents that they can use for the Lord, what they did with their task is they put their heads into it. When they put their heads into it, they were surprised they could do five more or two more. Now, one thing I've learned as a pastor is when I dramatize my problems, and they are legitimate issues, okay? So I'm not belittling your issues too, because I'm bringing up my own issues. If you were in my shoes and I were in your shoes, we would both agree we have legitimate issues ourselves. But when I, like I told you before, when I treated evil as minute... And then when I looked at my job and the tasks that I had, and I go, man, there's a lot of things to do. No, when I took that saying, keep it simple, stupid. 
Keep it simple, stupid. When I did it that way, what did I do? I just put my head into it. Okay, I have these many things. How can I probably kill two birds with one stone? How can I kill three birds with one stone? You know, uh, bringing up that phone example again, that way you can better understand, I felt like that it was endless to take care of the phone issue. But when I put it in separate time slots, so then I do uh, one at the beginning at the day, one before lunch, and then one at the evening, one before dinner. If I start to do that way, what I thought was a hundred issues turned out to be only four times I had to deal with that throughout my day. Why? I made my task in a way that will make things simpler for me. Not only do I simplify evil, I simplify my effort for the Lord. You know why Bible reading and prayer is such a job for you? Because you don't make it simple for you. Look, keep things simple, stupid. Just get it. You just start your day with that. It's just only 30 minutes. Or if you're that lazy, just five minutes. And then just get one chapter out of the way. Just get some kind of Bible verse in you and some prayer in you. And then the rest of the day, you can do whatever you want. See, it's just taking the task, putting your head into it, and making it simpler. Amen. Remember uh, the last time I preached the sermon about use what you got? About when you make tasks that are more natural to you and that are simpler for you but can guarantee growth at the same time, it's easier to grow spiritually in the Lord that way. But we complicate it. We stress ourselves out thinking that, man, it's a big thing God's asking me to. He's telling me to put my all on the altar. He never did that when you got saved. He knows it requires time. It requires growth. So he's willing to help you step by step. There just needs to be a willingness to begin with. He cannot take you step by step if there's no willingness to begin with. If you don't will it, then God won't help you. By doing these things, then you'll realize those tasks are not that hard. And then I realized when I did my task more as a pastor, and then I looked at other pastors around me, I realized my task that I thought was legitimately, legitimately hard are actually simple. Especially when I look at other pastors around me who are surrounded by that daily. Then I realized... Hey, keep it simple, stupid. You just made it hard to you. It wasn't that hard. Other pastors go through this too, not just yourself, Gene. And that's what God said. That's what God said. If you read verse 21, what did the Lord say to the servant that had five talents? His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a lot of stressful, hard things. No, God said over a what? few things you know what God knew God knew that the task that he gave to that servant was not that hard wow. it was actually very few right. imagine you at the judgment seat of Christ God I went through this and worked so hard for you and then when you go at the judgment seat of Christ and God shows your whole life what you're going through and then you're going to God's going to say Man, you, aren't you ashamed of yourself that those, those are actually few things and you failed on that? You're going to come to realize one day that what you thought was legitimately hard, then when you simplified it, yeah. 
then you realize when you look at years behind you, those tasks that at the beginning was very hard and stressful, that, hey, actually, it's not as hard as I thought. Actually, it's few. It's few. That especially happens when you go to a higher ed university or in a job place. It's always the trainees, the beginning, that, hey, it's stressful, it's hard. But then once you get the hang of it, the task, then you realize that was actually simple compared to the next level that they're going to put you in. The graduate level, so to speak. Or a higher position in the workplace. See, you have to keep things simple, stupid. It's not that hard. But you know how many people don't take those things as few things, but dramatize it and make it so hard? Don't be this servant. Here's the servant that had only one talent. Only one talent that God gave to him. You know what he said? Look at verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man. Is that you? You know, God has not given you that many tasks, that, that many things to do for Him. But then you're that person that says, Lord, you're just so hard. That's going to be a shame. How shameful it is. You don't want to be that person. You know what God said? Verse 26, this is the key. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gathered, uh, uh, gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. You know what God told that servant, the master told that servant? You should have used your, basically, you should have put your head to it on that one thing you could have done. You could have done this option. Why didn't you do this option? You know, that's what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. God, it's so hard. And God's like, why couldn't you have done this? And then you're going to go, oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, you know, I, you're too bu busy feeling and thinking about the problem. You weren't using your head on, how can I make this task simpler for me? How can I make it more bearable throughout the day? You didn't do that. And what we're going to come to realize more and more, when a person has a legitimate problem, I never dare call them lazy because for me, when I go through my issues and problems, I don't want someone to call me lazy. But one thing I've learned is when we mature and graduate through those problems and look back on those things, those problems we legitimized and made it a big issue, we're going to realize, I was just too weak. I was just too immature. I was... Here's the cuss word. You ready for this? Lazy. We're not willing to put in an effort, to put in sacrifice. We're in a day and age where we're used to having things meet our needs. Why do you think we're in a socialist government? Right. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. It's a hard truth to hear, but I want to tell you this. Just like me, it was a hard thing to hear, but I needed to hear it. It freed me. It freed me from my turmoil and my chaotic prison. What freed me was, hey, it's you, it's laziness, 
It's because you don't keep things simple, stupid. Yeah. It freed me. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. My fourth point is nothing. Nothing. Now that's what I want. <laughs> to make things very simple to the point that it's practically nothing. Now you want that secret? The verse says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Yeah. It's a verse that a lot of you already know, but we still don't understand. And even if we do understand, worse yet, we don't apply it. You know what that verse is basically saying? Just don't do anything. Careful for nothing. Imagine living a life where you're not careful about anything. That's a stress-free life, right? You talk about living relaxed and chill. Everything just relied on prayer. I would like to ask you that question then. You're imagining that kind of life. Oh, what a great life. Well, have you ever done nothing in your life to take care of the issue? Just nothing about it? And only pray? Have you ever done that before? Why not? I know why. The first impulse is, I need to take care of it. That's why. That's the truth and the heart of the matter. I told you, imagine living a life where you just did nothing but just pray. Man, that's just a stress-free life, isn't it? Well, then why don't you do it? When's the last time? You ever did that in your life? It shows our first impulse is, I need to take care of something. I need to do something to give me peace. No, it still didn't give you peace. You're sure doing a good job, aren't you? That's why you're stressed with a lot of things. You're used to being careful of everything. Not careful for nothing. You know what that everything should have done? Everything is in prayer. Now, that's my question to you. When's the last time you prayed? Oh, I prayed, but no, no, no. Really pray. That says everything. See that everything you always spend time thinking about, worrying about, being careful about, doing things about? Dump that in prayer. Put all of that in prayer. You know what people are doing? Just I just pray, but be careful about everything. Know everything in prayer and careful for nothing. Man, what a stress-free life, man. Isn't that what God wants? A life of simplicity? Yeah, amen. Hey, keep it simple, stupid. Now look, I'm not saying to be so stupid and being simple that you do nothing, alright? Obviously, there are things in life. I'm not saying to be that stupid and that... There's things in life that we should do no work. I'm not saying that. But there is a point to what I'm saying. The point to what I'm saying is, if there is not a point, in, if, there was not, if there is zero in your life, zero record in your life where you did nothing and just prayed, that means you're still too careful. If you don't recall as many situations in your life, to be honest, I think this. I think it's generally. Generally, it should be where prayer took care of the issue rather than you. Now, how many of you have seen that happen before in your life? Okay, then why did you put your hand to the matter? 
It shows you haven't been practicing that concept. That's my point. It shows you haven't been practicing that concept of prayer as much. Try this, okay? Try this. At least do this. Pray about the matter first. Okay? Then wait and see God move. And don't complain. Don't worry. And don't do any action or energy or effort or work yourself until God shows you it's needed. Now, have you ever tried that before? No, you haven't. Have you? Because you're so used to taking care of the problem. Let me bring that phone example again so you can better understand. It's easy for me to pick it up and solve the problem. Why? That's my natural instinct of the flesh. But that's why my life was stressed out and complicated. It's easier, Lord, I pray there won't be that many issues on this phone today. Oh, there's nothing. Hey, honey, guess what? Yeah, ask my wife. She's a witness. Honey, no phone call, no voicemail. Whoa, that's a miracle. Yeah, I know it's a miracle. (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone's enjoying my example. (laughs) But do you see my point here? You ever tried praying? You ever done that, that part first? Pray first. Just pray first. Then wait and see God move. And don't complain, don't worry, don't do any action or exert any stress or work effort yourself until God shows you it's needed. Try that. Just just try that, okay? Just try. And let's see if you can keep things simple, stupid. Look at Jeremiah 32 and Matthew 19. Jeremiah 32. And Matthew 19. This is not a very dramatized sermon. This is more of a practical sermon. Some things that I actually want you to apply and try yourself. That way you can live life simply. Look at Jeremiah 32 and Matthew 19. My fifth point is anything. My fifth point is anything. If you look at Matthew chapter 19, notice that it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says. In verse 23 of Matthew 19, 23, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God, what? All things are possible. You know, when the disciples heard Jesus saying, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle, and he's being so sarcastic about it. But that's how impossible the scenario Jesus shows. That it's easier for a camel to go through that eye of a needle more than a rich person going to heaven. And a lot of you who've been soul winning understand that and know what I mean about that. So then, this is such an impossible scenario. And the disciples... Seeing another person's hardship, the rich man's hardship, 
the impossible scenario. The disciples are like wondering, man, I wonder if that can be overcome then. You know what Jesus said? With God, all things are possible. That means anything. So in Jeremiah 32 and verse 27, verse 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Nothing's hard for God. Anything that you go through in life, remember, God is in charge. But you make it complex. You cannot trust Him with anything in your life. But I'll tell you one thing. What can make you see God's power move? What would have made those disciples convinced and see God's power at hand is if God got the rich people saved. Then the disciples would have saw an impossible, a big hardship as, wow, it can be overcome. And it encourages them through other hardships that they might go through. And that is the case. If you read the book of Acts, there were rich people, chief rulers saved. That's the power of the Holy Spirit moving in. Encourage the disciples with their hardship. As a matter of fact, uh, this is probably true, but nearly all apostles were martyred for Jesus. Why were they able to endure that hardship? Because they saw another person's hardship. They seen how God overcame the impossible scenarios and odds. That's what helped them bear through their hardships. What's my point? My point is, when you see other people struggling, something far worse than you, something that's a, like an impossible scenario, a really hard scenario that only God would can do the miracle, and He actually did, it makes your hardship feel simpler. Yeah. Yes. It's easy for me, I'm going to bring up my example again, as a pastor, to dramatize and to mourn about my hardship. But man, when I hear those other pastors tell me their hardships, you know what I start doing? I don't say a peep. I don't say a word. Especially when I see those pastors, how God pulled them through and given them victory in their hardship. You know what your problem is? Your problem is all you're seeing is your hardship. You're not seeing other people's hardships. Until you experience that with them, it makes your life feel simpler. Go work in a hospital with those people suffering cancer and pain. And it makes you feel like your problem is lighter. And it makes you feel more grateful you're not feeling the pain that person is going through. It makes your problem feel lighter. Have you ever been friends with people who are uh, poor or not as rich or didn't have many things in life? I was around poor PBI students. And when I would be tempted to dramatize my hardship, because I was surrounded by my peers and my friends who were a lot more poor than me and who struggled a lot more than me, I was too ashamed to talk about my problem. And it made me feel like I can endure through my problem, my issue. I don't know if you ever had that, but that peer pressure where you had friends, you don't want to be the guy that looks like the spoiled Highness in your majesty. I don't know if you ever experienced that before, have you? If you go through that experience, it makes you feel humble and it makes you feel like there's not really that much of a problem with your life to dramatize about. More so this, more so if you actually work with real-life people who go through the real-life issues as you do. That makes you even more so 
humbled and makes you more so keep the problems to yourself and not dramatize it, makes you more so endure it, makes you feel it's normal and you accept it. It's just problems in life. It's just problems in life people go through. Like I told you with my example, when I compare my work with other ministers, real life people with real life issues like me, it drops a lot of my complaint. It drops a lot of my pain to my feeling of pain. It makes me actually more thankful <laughs> for the pain I didn't go through that they went through. Makes me thankful for the good things I got. Look at Luke chapter 12 and verse 27. Luke chapter 12, verse 27. My next point is just things. Just things. You know why people feel like their life is more complicated, especially America? <laughs> why would America... I mean, it's funny when you look at statistics. America's stress level statistics is so high and people are so baffled. And if you look at some third world countries, it's really weird. But some third world countries, their stress level is really low. And it's like, you, you go, why is that? America had many more things than the third world countries. So why is it, I mean, they had many more good things than the third world countries. Why do they have much more of a stress level? Then it dawned on me. Because they have more things. And you got to realize those are just things. But see, you make those things very precious and a big deal to you. And that's the reason why your life is so complicated. I need that relationship. Oh, I need that job. Oh, I need that future. Oh, I need my children to be raised right. Okay, something's got to give. But you want to keep all of that. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 27. The Bible says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not. They spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wow! The lilies, I mean, they don't toil. I mean, they don't do anything. They just stay still. But God said that Solomon with all his wealth and possessions and then fame and knowledge that he had, he wasn't as glorious as those lilies. Why? A life of simplicity is better than a life hoarding up everything and keeping, holding on to everything. No, it is a stressful life. It is not a good life. I mean, uh, those are just things. And besides, don't you think that God will give you those things later if you prioritize Him first? Prioritize Him first. Realize those are just things. Release yourself from that prison and be free. And then, let God give you those good things in time. But you got to set your priority first. You got to set your freedom. Your freedom, your stress-free life is far more valuable to you than those things. Those things will come to you when you learn how to handle yourself. You can't handle those things if you can't handle yourself. I mean, look what God says. God said that, that He will later give it to you. Look at verse 31. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God. See, that first and all these things shall be added unto you. Why doesn't God add it to me? Why doesn't God add it to me? Because you can't handle it, child. That's God's mercy and grace. He didn't give you that thing you wanted. Because He knows you can't handle it, child. Look at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I hope that you're learning a lot of things 
And your eyes are getting open on some things that are restricting you, chaining you down with so much stress. And then you can start releasing these locks one by one. These chains one by one and get yourself free. My seventh point is one thing. One thing. Look at verse 38. The Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into our house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she helped me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, that's your problem, careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Can't you learn from this story? Martha's problem here, she was careful about many things. And Jesus said, the reason why you're so troubled is because you have so many things you're careful about. You need one thing. You know what made life easier for me? It's so easy to think about many things in the ministry to juggle, to balance, and to stress out. What made it easier is just one at a time. Just one thing. Just one thing. Have you ever done that? When I have problems going around in my life and in the church and in this area. It's so easy to feel like, oh, there's so many problems, I under so much persecution, but it's better when I say, look, it's just only one problem today. It's just one problem this evening. One problem this morning. Just one. You need to think one. If you have 500 problems in your head swimming around, you're in trouble. You put one problem in your mind. And then tackle that and surrender that. Live through that for the Lord. And pray, t pray and give that up to the Lord and handle it. You know, what's even, uh, you know what's even stranger about people? About the one thing they don't do? You can't do things one at a time, do you? Especially, what if the only one thing is absolutely nothing can be done about it? Except what Mary's doing. What? Mary chose that one thing, Jesus said. She just sat and listened to the word of Jesus. You know what's the problem with most of you? What if that one thing, and the only one thing you got is, you can't do anything about the problem. You're just stuck with it. All you can do is just sit down and shut up and just finally learn what God's going to do with it. Mm. Oh, I know that. That's hard. I hate that part. But it's supposed to be simple. Just. And let God speak to you and teach you and show you. It's simple. That's the one thing. Are you doing that one thing? My eighth point is small things. Small things. Look at Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. God has given you blessings in life, things in life to enjoy. 
However, the problem is we despise them. We treat them as if they are very small. We want money, we want to get money ourselves to solve the problem rather than praying to the Lord. Why? Because prayer seems so small. Just trust God with the trial. No, yeah, yeah, just trust God. But you got to work for it. You got to find a way around it. Why? Trusting God is too simple. The world has taught us to despise, to despise small things. That's what the world has taught us. No, it's like I told you, simple faith and resting in this promise. It's small, but it works. It works. A lot of times I feel like there has to be a solution, a greater solution, a deeper thing that can just annihilate the problem once and for all. One thing I learned, there is no such thing. Well, what is it? Trust and obey the Lord. Oh, but you know, that's not going to take care of it. Oh, give it time. And yeah, it doesn't seem like it's working right now, but it works. It's working. It's working. And it's getting there. It's those small things at work. But you despise those small things. Zechariah 4 verse 10. For who hath despised the what? Day of small things. And in verse 9, it's a small foundation to the temple. But who despised it? You. Americans. People who have the bigger solution, there's a deeper thing. No, no psychiatrist in the entire world with all their higher dosage of medicine and the greater payments, they still didn't even solve the problem. It's so small things. But if you think there's something bigger and deeper out there to solve it, then why don't you challenge yourself and you do it then? Then your eyes start to open. And a lot of times, when you put your hand to it, I know what I'm talking about because I've done this. When I put my hand to it, the problem worsens. You know what it is? You just need to, should have done the basics, Gene. Read the Bible, pray, let the Lord handle. Read the Bible, pray, let the Lord handle. Trust and obey. But it's so small and there's got to be a greater thing. No, no. Who despise the day of small things? It's you. You're going to realize until you, when you start to do it yourself, there is no such thing. And then, sadly, God's going to have to teach you that. He's going to let you do what you want. He will. He'll let you do what you want, and then you try every other way, and you whine and complain and try ways to solve it, and then the things just got worse. That problem never got solved. It was only temporary relief. And they just came back and bit you back. And then, you know what? You're going to come to a point finally, after all that stress of the hustle and bustle, you'll finally come to the point where you're like, okay, I finally give up. I just accept what I've got. I just, and God's like, finally, okay, now I can move. All right. Sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning to see how God moves things. Finally, accept the small things you got. This church, this book, any spiritual ounce or blessing God has given to you, that's all you got. Yeah, finally, accept those small things and live with it. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 30. My ninth point, my ninth point is easy things. Easy things. Now this one is has been a great eye-opener to me. 
It's a famous passage when you read verse 28 through 30. 28 through 30. A famous passage where people are carrying so much burden. And then a lot of times preachers would tell you, you know, you don't have to carry the burden yourself. You just have to dump it at the feet of Jesus. Let God solve the problem. It's been a famous passage, but people don't realize that there's a yoke you got to carry here for the burden to be free. All right, this is going to be the eye-opening part. Look at verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To get that burden off, you need to take that yoke. You know what your problem is? Your problem is you're so used to dumping the burden on God, but you never take His yoke. That's why you have no rest. And that has been the greatest eye-opener to me until I surrendered and accepted the problem, the trial, the yoke that God has given to me. Finally, my burden fell off. But I promise you this, if you're so used to dumping burdens and you can do all you want, dumping your burdens to the Lord and, you know, to God, to God, to God. But that don't mean you're that mean that doesn't mean you're free from some kind of caring. That's your problem. You you brainwash yourself into thinking there's nothing that I have to carry that. No, that's the American mentality. Dumping it on somebody else, see? No, how you get those burdens off is you accept the yoke God has given to you. You might say, really? Yeah, because how many of you are witnesses that until you've accepted the yoke God gave to you, those burdens that you had of sleepless nights and that the hurt inside the heart and the trials you thought were impossible finally fell off. But... Because you're so used to running away from the problems and the burdens, you know what happened? Your burden became greater. If you dump burdens, your burden becomes greater. How the burden goes off is, God says, this is my yoke. Take it. Your problem is, you fear that yoke. It's too hard for you. That's why Jesus lovingly, patiently assures you, my yoke is easy. So please take it so your burden can finally come off and you can be free. Amen. Would you come to this altar today and will you finally accept that yoke? If you will not take that yoke, you're still, you're still carrying a heavy burden on your seat. Every head bow and every eye shut.